Welcome to the PaxX Podcast, available on iTunes. This is episode 51 of the show where we talk about everything to do with the passenger experience. I'm Mary Kirby, and I'm joined by my co-host, Max Flight. Max, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Mary. We've got a few technical issues this uh, episode, but we'll see if we can power through them. <laughs> power through them. That's the name of the game, Max, these days, right? Powering forward. Yes. We'd like to thank the Jetliner Cabins ebook app for sponsoring this week's podcast. When you're enjoying an in-flight meal or movie high above the earth, have you ever wondered about the level of thinking that's gone into your immediate living space? The contoured seat back and supporting headrest, the safety provisions, the mood lighting, the meticulous selection of sound absorbent material calibrated to block intrusive noise. Jetliner Cabins is the story of how scientists, designers, engineers, maintenance and marketing specialists have transformed the stark tubular interiors of typical airliners into unique settings. This ebook app invites readers to explore the expertise, discover the details, and enjoy the fascinating world of jetliner cabins. Visit jetlinercabins.com to learn more and to download the app. Now, it's my great pleasure to introduce our guest today. Becca Alkima is Operations Manager at Runway Girl Network. Based outside of Toronto, Becca serves as my right-hand woman, and together we're the engines behind the day-to-day running of Runway Girl Network. As the mother of a severely allergic child, Becca is also well-versed in the challenges posed by allergens, whether in daily life or on the road. Welcome to the show, Becca. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Hello, Becca. It's great to be speaking with you. I think we're going to have a fantastic conversation, some interesting topics lined up. And so why don't we jump right in and take a look at some of the PaxX news stories that are making headlines. Now, some passengers with pet allergies are growing increasingly concerned about the number of service and emotional support animals in the cabin. And passengers with food allergies, particularly severe nut allergies, continue to bemoan the presence of peanuts and other nuts on board many airlines. Becca, you're the parent of a severely allergic child. What challenges do you face when traveling? Well, People are going to continue to want their nuts or their dogs or anything they have that makes them comfortable flying um, and many other things that other people might be allergic to, whether it's strawberries or eggs or anything. Somebody's always going to be allergic to something. Um, the most important thing, I think, is for the airline and the passenger with the allergy to communicate with each other, to make it out there and aware of what the situation is, what they're allergic to, so they can find a solution to have everybody get what they want without a child or a person dying of anaphylactic shock due to these allergies. When I travel with my daughter, I'm just honed in to what is around us. Uh, That is my due diligence as a parent. I have to be aware of what's around me, and it's my job to make sure that I can prevent a reaction by communicating her allergies with people that can help me also prevent the reaction, whether it's boarding early so that I can make sure that I'm cleaning down anything she touches. Um, WestJet, when I flew on the way there and on the way back to LAX recently for Apex, I saw someone with nuts the aisle next to me both times. Um, and I'm aware, of, even though she wasn't with me, I'm just super aware of those things around me. In that case, if we were to fly with her, I would have told WestJet ahead of time, and they have a great policy where they create a buffer zone, and they also announce it to the cabin so that other people can be aware that if they're going to eat nuts or if they're going to have something that someone in the plane is allergic to, that even if they're aware of it, they're more likely to not spread it as much. 
washing their hands, making sure they don't touch all kinds of things. But in the end, it's my job as a parent to make sure that my daughter then, if I see someone with nuts next to me because they want their nuts, um, is to make sure that I'm then, if she has to go to the washroom, I'm going in and wiping things down before she goes in and touches it. Uh, it's daily life for us. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Now, d- different airlines have different policies regarding these. Yes, they do. Some don't have policies at all. So that makes it even more difficult, I would imagine, for a parent to uh, do the kind of proactive planning you're talking yes. about. You have to know what the policies are, correct? You do. You do. Um, I know for a fact, I've looked into policies for American Airlines, which they don't have one. Uh, basically, um, nor does Air Canada offer a very good policy in any way, shape or form that protects my child Uh I really feel like a buffer zone should be standard and simple. A couple of rows of people that are willing to not eat nuts and not touch every or not touch everything around them when they're eating nuts is important. Or even just an announcement, like I said, to make people aware. But you're right. Policies are different everywhere. And I have to look it up and I have to know um, what I'm going in with and if it's remotely even a safe option for my daughter. Becca, how receptive are people when you say, look, my daughter is severely allergic, you know, can you help accommodate us? Do you get a mixed reaction? Are people largely supportive? Oh, uh, it's a mixed reaction. (laughs) In every, I mean, I went through it when I sent her to school for the first time a few years ago. Um, You have your parents that really feel that their right to peanut butter supersedes my child's right to safety. Um, People are very passionate about their nuts. <laughs> and so I kind of have to go in and I figure I at least say it out loud. Um, some people are going to be very helpful. And if I get one or two helpful people, that helps the situation better, even if I have another bunch of people that just don't seem to care. Uh, some people also look at me as it's trendy and don't take allergies seriously because it's not um, something you can see unless you're having a reaction. So they think it's just a food preference instead of taking it seriously as a food allergy. That's when I whip out the EpiPen and I say, nope, this is real. To be uh, perfectly honest, Becca, I can remember some years ago, uh, you know, I'm an old guy and I can remember thinking, what is this with all this nut allergy stuff? Nobody had problems with nuts when I was a kid. You know, what, what is this? What's going on? You know, is this, like you say, something just trendy or, or whatever? And of course, over the years, I've come to be uh, a lot more informed and knowledgeable about um, what's going on here. So I would imagine that you would run into problems with uh, people thinking that uh, this is not a real issue. Yes, I do. All the time. They think it's trendy or they don't take it seriously. And it's, I think a big part of it is it's one of those things that isn't seen, one of those health conditions that you can't witness unless the bad is already happening so people don't believe it exists if they haven't witnessed it. It also goes with animal allergies as well. People don't see it, so they don't think it exists. They think that you just don't like, in the article, that you just don't like dogs or you just don't like cats. I'm allergic to cats myself, um, not to a severe five. It would be more of a two where I get all itchy-eyed and stuff. But then again, I would take reactant or I would take something to help prevent that because my need to not have itchy eyes does not supersede someone's need to have a companion with them or a guide dog, for example. So that's definitely something we're seeing. Yeah, we're seeing obviously more emotional support animals. We're obviously seeing service animals. Um, We are seeing passengers uh, 
some passengers starting to complain. And in fact, there was a recent report where a woman who claimed to be severely allergic to dogs was uh, sort of dragged off of a Southwest Airlines flight. Max, did you see that uh, report? Yes, I did. Uh, I remember reading that at the time where uh, she said that uh, she was uh, extremely um, allergic, a light, uh, life-threatening, I believe, was the, the terminology she used. Uh, at the time, I remember thinking that, well, you know, like Becca's saying, that, that's maybe an issue that should have been dealt with up front rather than when the plane is already boarded. Right. And also there was questions about, well, why would you want to stay on the plane if it's life-threatening because the animal is still there? That that story, you know, it, it got a lot of headlines. There's plenty of questions, though, behind that story particularly. But it is interesting to see more and more of these kind of stories popping up. Uh, the peanut allergy one is a big one because, of course, a lot of airlines are still handing out peanuts. Um, so it really does seem like the the passenger, the allergic passenger has to be super proactive now in advance. That seems to be the message and find out exactly what the situation is going to be on board, how the airline handles it. Um, and uh, yeah, that seems to be the way forward. Yes. And lots of awareness, awareness for the people who uh, are uh, subject to these kinds of allergies and things, and also awareness for everyone else that needs to kind of learn the facts and be a little bit more compassionate, perhaps, uh, for these folks that have these kinds of issues. Communication is the most, I guess, would be my number one thing that I've always followed through with is communicating the allergy, communicating what the needs are, um, what the bare minimum is that each person can do to make it a safer environment. I mean, I can walk into a store and someone who had peanut butter for breakfast touch the handle, my daughter touches it. In the instance, that's what the EpiPen is for. Do I want to use it up in the air? Hopefully not. But I mean, as long as you do, everybody's doing their due diligence to try to prevent a reaction, um, you're going to have a better outcome. All right. Well, let's move on and talk about WestJet. WestJet has taken delivery of its first Boeing 737 MAX aircraft. It comes with Boeing's Sky Interior as well as Panasonic Avionics Wi-Fi. Now, the aircraft are expected to enter service on November 9. Becca, you obviously haven't flown on the MAX yet, but you did experience two different types of PAX-X when you traveled on WestJet to and from the Apex Expo in Long Beach, California last month. Tell us, what did you think of the service? Um, I had two completely different experiences. On the way there, I was on a 737-700 and it was older. It had the seat back IFE. Um, it, was, it's, it felt more, I felt more claustrophobic. Um, by the end of the flight, I wanted off. I had no no connection to the outside world, except for watching some movies to distract myself. Um, and while the crew was wonderful and, and they still tried their best, it was um, very different than on the way home to Pearson from LAX when I was on the 737-800 and I had a connected flight. So WestJet Connect is what they call it. I was on the Panasonic Wi-Fi. Um, I felt that it did more than justice to keep me entertained as well as I was able to use the WestJet app for my IFE needs and there was so much more to select from that way and it it offered a lot more in the way of um, comfort for me when flying. 
Becca, there's some new studies out there to suggest that having connectivity reduces passenger anxiety. Um, do you think there's some validity to that? I absolutely do. It definitely really, it definitely helped me. <laughs> um, I get anxious when I'm disconnected from my outside world. <laughs> and so having connectivity for me was a distraction from the flight. It made it feel shorter and it offered me an ability to keep myself busy and distracted. Oh, I think it's yeah, definitely really important. Um, we had an example of that. It wasn't in the air, but we were up in a very, very small town in Vermont recently. Uh, this place didn't even have a gas station, and there was no cell service, and there was a little bit of extremely weak uh, Wi-Fi, and uh, we just went crazy. It was really hard to be uh, disconnected. So, yeah, I know some people like to disconnect on the airplane and use it as kind of an opportunity for some rest and relaxation. But I think for most people, uh, the quality of the in-flight connectivity is, is its a big issue. It was, yeah, it definitely is. I don't want to disconnect ever. <laughs> I'm one of those people that needs to be connected to whether it's family, to talk to my daughter, because being away from her is different, or whether it's to get some work done while I have a chance to sit down undisrupted. And, uh, you know, I like to be connected. And it was also trying their different IFE. They had a lot more options. I was pinned down on the way there to like three different movie channels that I hoped would have a movie that would entertain me somewhat. Um, by the end of three movies, I was ready to get off the plane. <laughs> <laughs> I was done. Becca, I, I understand you also had a pretty interesting foodie experience on board in terms of how WestJet's trying to accommodate people with allergies. Uh, I did. On the way there, I tried and I ordered pre-ordered a salad. Um, I will say that it did not tell me all the ingredients. I was going on an educated guess of what is normally in these things. I was lucky, and when I got served it, it did have a list of the ingredients, and I was able to eat it. Um, but those lists, I would suggest, should be placed when ordering, um, so you don't have to order blind like I did and hope for the best. Um, but they also do have a lovely boxes that I didn't feel were overpriced, um, considering when you live allergen-free, because we're not just peanuts, we're gluten and dairy and eggs and all that as well in our household, um, is expensive. And they had a nice box of food that you could order that had all these snacks that if my kid was with me, would have loved. <laughs> and they were they were all prepackaged and labeled. So I didn't have to worry about contamination or somebody not trained in serving it um, with something else that was in the cabin. I understand WestJet has some 787 Dreamliners uh, on order. I think deliveries in uh, 2019, perhaps. Uh, I assume they'll use the same uh, Panasonic system in those aircraft. Do we know what they've selected? Uh, that's a really good question, Max, actually. I think, uh, I, I, I don't want to say 100%. <laughs> um, what we're seeing right now is that these airlines are going double and triple source for their in-flight entertainment and connectivity. So it's it's probably very possible. I, I don't want to say 100%. I would need to do some research on that. But um, but it speaks to a broader trend right now, where even in the United States, we're seeing the likes of a United Airlines has no fewer than three in-flight connectivity providers. They've got GoGo, they've got Panasonic, and they've got um, Talus Viasat. Um, and so that's just United. Southwest recently announced that it's going dual source. It has Global Eagle, and it's launching Panasonic 
in-flight connectivity here shortly. So it's really kind of fascinating to see these airlines. They're not betting down with just one provider anymore. They're looking for the best deal. They're looking for the best technology. For example, there are various different subfleets. Uh, or geographically. Uh, so there's a real interesting evolution ha- happening right now in that sector. So nothing is assured, you know, and that's different than, say, in years past when an airline would, say, commit to, say, one particular in-flight entertainment provider, and you could expect them to stay the course with that provider for quite some time. Now they're parsing it up, and uh, it's really interesting to watch. But it's also made the entire sector um, not only interesting to watch, but also kind of it's getting bloody out there, Max. Do you know what I mean? Like the rhetoric yeah. has been ramped up and people are um, really fighting for tails right now in, because it's 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 hot business. And of course, all of these airlines need to get connected. Yeah, that's very interesting. Of course, we talk about fleet commonality and the advantages of that for for most airlines. And that, in the past, I think, has referred to the, the aircraft themselves, the engines, so forth. Uh, but maybe with the IFE system, the connectivity system, that it's uh, uh, the, the penalty of multiple sources is maybe much smaller. Yeah, they're doing exactly as they've done with airframers and engine manufacturers. You're absolutely right. They want robust competition in the market. They don't want just one single provider kind of dominating. And of course, that helps them when it comes to pricing and everything else. But it means that some of them are actually getting some rather sweetheart deals because um, companies are willing to kind of pay now for the gains later. Um, which is making it even more kind of ferociously competitive. Um, but it is fascinating to watch. And of course, we're, we're covering it on Runway Girl Network. Um, we're, people are always amazed at how much content we produce about this sector, but it is constantly moving. It's constantly evolving. And when you've got airlines that are literally uh, reaching out and going double, triple source, and perhaps even more than that, uh, you know, it, it's fierce. It's fierce. Well, speaking about the content, uh, Becca, you've been working at Runway Girl Network for two years now, I understand. And obviously, the the site's growing uh, quickly and spectacularly. So I imagine you've been uh, very busy. As a, as a woman in business, how do you juggle your role as operations manager at RGN and being a, a mom to a very active child? Um, that's a good question. I... I balance things. And also, Runway Girl Network is growing exponentially daily. It also is flexible in that we deal with every time zone. And I can work in the middle of the night or I can work in the middle of the day. And I can work around my daughter's schedule. So in that, it's important for me for flexibility that way. I will take my daughter to dance. She's there for four hours. I will sit there and you know, hotspot my phone and get some work done. I don't have a lot of idle time, but uh, I use my time wisely. And that's probably the key to it is balancing my time wisely and not wasting any of it. I'd like a few more hours in the day, but (laughs) since that's not possible, I use what I have. (laughs) I don't sleep a lot. No, (laughs) I still get a good night's sleep usually. Well, that's good. That's important. How did you come to the network? Did Mary come after you or did you come to Mary? Marianne Simpson, a former colleague, uh, and I went to college together here in Canada. And then um, I started doing some stuff for her, and I started working and doing a bit with um, uh, Jetliner Cabins, um, doing helping them test some of the app. And then I started transcribing for Mary, and I just 
snowballed from there into doing more and more and more and more. Learning that I had a business background um, <laughs> was really helpful. <laughs> Becca's got kind of years of education in business and it's been like really monumental for Rolling Girl. <laughs> we are like, like she said, we're growing exponentially and um, it, it's become quite a huge job. Uh, and she kind of came in at the exact right time and hit the ground running and her job just grows. Her, her job duties grow every day. <laughs> She's the one that's going to need an assistant very soon, I think is where we're at at this point. Um, so we're keeping our eye Never. out, <laughs> Never. but having, it's funny having mobile connectivity at, and it's the same for myself as well, because obviously I'm highly mobile and I have to, you know, I have to fly as well. And, and for business, um, we have to be connected at all times and whether we're toggling with our phone, whether we're, you know, finding the late, the nearest wifi, that is the one crucial thing. And one thing that I have found is that it seems like Canada is a little bit more accommodating <laughs> than certain other countries when it comes to the Wi-Fi situation. Is that fair to say, Becca? Oh yeah, we have great Wi-Fi. Um, I, like I said, I also balance, um, and raising my daughter to know that mommy has to work as well as play. <laughs> so we can go to, for example, we went to the CNE in the summer. It's a big giant fair festival type thing and being able to sit down and have lunch and me get some work done because there is Wi-Fi everywhere I went. Um, not even having to use my phone sometimes. If I go to a museum, um, we can sit down in the museum cafeteria and have lunch. Well, I you know, tee up a story or answer some emails because they have Wi-Fi there. Uh, any given restaurant that you're in in Canada has free Wi-Fi. I was at the hospital yesterday and it was $6 for three hours of Wi-Fi. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> We're at that point, Max, where even when she's going to the hospital, she's working. <laughs> that probably sounds pretty bad. So this I worked on uninterrupted while I waited. It sounds like, yeah, I'm no, like really cracking the whip over here. It's like, oh, you're in the hospital, but we need you no. to do this. No, but you told me not to work. I ignored you and I did it anyways. You did. You did. Um, we're at a really exciting time, Max. Um, it's a little bit, I will admit, you know, it's very long days. I mean, we're putting in sometimes 12, 13, 14 plus hours a day. Um, and I wish I was joking, but that is the truth. And it is also a seven day a week job right now for both myself and Becca. So we're producing a lot of content and I, sometimes I feel like I'm in, well, I, I always feel like I'm in the machine. What can I tell you? You know, it's like I should be attached to the computer. <laughs> but we always have time to put our stuff down. Like that's the thing is if I were taking in the past, if I were taking my daughter to her one of many four hour dance nights, I would have to sit there idle while I waited for her. But now because I have my mobile connectivity, I can sit there and work. So while that more or less would have been time wasted doing nothing, I'm able to be productive. And that's where we get those extra hours in the day without stressing ourselves out to the extent that we're not sleeping. And this is the characteristic of the entire network, right? I mean, Mary, there's there's no real brick and mortar where you have rows of desks with, <laughs> with employees working on creating content. Uh, it's It's all rather virtual, isn't it? It's all virtual and they're, they're around the world. Of course, we have John Walton, our deputy editor. He bounces all around the world. He is going to land in France ultimately, but, you know, he's in Japan right now filing content from Japan. Um, you know, we've got Kerry Reels out in the UK, um, which is fantastic. It's great to have 
you know, all of this kind of talent scattered around the globe because it means that we're able to have a truly an international aviation news product. And, you know, it is, it's kind of part of our new world order, isn't it, Max? I mean, this is the way it's going. Um, and yeah, I, I, I cannot even imagine being tied to a desk right now because it just wouldn't suit our model. And, you know, of course, on top of all of that, you know, we have to travel, we have to fly if we're covering aviation. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I could be a single mom in any other kind of job. Yes. Yeah. I would miss out on being with my kid and this job or career really rather it allows me the opportunity to still be a mom and be there. I can go on a field trip with my kid in the middle of the day and I don't really have to ask permission. I just have to say, Hey, I'm gone for three hours and I'll connect on the bus, you know, and it's nice that way. Yes. You really have the benefit of being able to manage your own time. Exactly. It's also nice not to have to wake up every single morning and get dressed up and put the makeup on and all of that. I mean, Max, you know, I'm not going to lie. There's days I'm, I'm in a bathroom. (laughs) It's just, it's just reality. You know, it's a yoga pants type of reality if I'm not on the road because we are churning out so much and I have to stay on top of everything. And of course, as you know yourself, I mean, I, I virtually live on Twitter because that's where everything is breaking. So I can't afford to take my eye off the ball. And sometimes things like, uh, you know, my hairstyle or how I look is secondary at this point. If you can believe it. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's hard to believe. But that does work well for me because no matter how much time I spend, I still look sort of goofy. But uh, the old, you know, face for the radio sort of thing. But. Anyway, uh, yeah, it, it is really amazing. I, you know, am in fact in awe of the Runway Girl Network and the the quality and the the quantity of just fantastic content. So uh, it's it's an amazing accomplishment. Uh, uh, when I, I remember when you started, Mary, and uh, I, I was impressed by how you kind of hit the ground running uh, and produced all that great stuff right from the start but it's just continued to accelerate and that's uh, it's it's amazing it's just amazing well thank you the the tech savvy traveler is becoming savvier by the day and so that's something that we've really found that's really interesting is that uh they're really educating themselves about the passenger experience and so our traffic is growing exponentially as well because as passengers get educated they're finding our content and finding it useful so it is it's exciting max i gotta say we're rolling rolling um our archives are really oh i know and stuff too people are using it i think as a reference now for things because there's so much in the archives now. It's a, it's an educational tool. And for people that are interested in getting into the industry, this is a, it's a great way to, to learn it. You know, it's a great way to learn your stuff and be prepared if you're interested in passenger experience, that's for sure. Um, but unfortunately we're rapidly coming to a close. I want to thank our listeners. Remember you can find us online at runwaygirlnetwork.com and on iTunes. Be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter at at runwaygirl. And remember to use the PaxX hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. Join in the conversation. I'd like to reiterate our thanks to our sponsor, Jetliner Cabin's ebook app. And I'd like to thank Becca for being our guest. Becca, where can listeners find you at? At runwaygirlnetwork.com. And on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I am. You're right. At, at Runway Girl Becca on Twitter. Fantastic. Becca, it's been a real joy speaking with you. Hope I have an opportunity to do it again in, in the future. I think you have kind of a dream job in many ways, and that's really, really wonderful. 
So we'll ask all of you to join us again next time as we talk about the passenger experience on the PaxX podcast. Take care, everyone. 